0: Chicago. Woo! Three titles in six years. Yes, it is worth cheering for Cherry Fork. Alex to it. Oh Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host Dave Melton, managing editor here at Second City Hockey and the usual podcast host, with my two usual line mates here tonight. First off, it is the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hi, I'm
1: about as NHL-ready as uh, the other guy they acquired in the Brandon Sod trade.
0: I'm not even sure, I don't remember who that is. Anton Lindholm. Anton Lindholm, there you go. Mm -hmm. I I hear Lindholm and I'm thinking Hampus Lindholm, but that's not who the Blackhawks got. That would have been much better.
1: That would have been a much better trade.
0: Yeah, yeah. By the way, how excited are you for Alex Petrangelo's contract to become the next Brent Seabrook contract?
1: It's signed when he's thirty, which is a little bit rough. But considering how valuable that Shea Theodore contract is, it'll balance out. We'll
0: we'll, we'll see what you think in twenty twenty six. We'll we'll see about that. And then and then also with us tonight, it is our site manager, and we've extended him a qualifying offer, so he cannot leave in restricted free agency. It is Brandon Kane. Candy corn is good. No, it's not <gasps> Yes. No, yes, it is. You're yes, bold. it is. No, it's two bad. out of three. Democracy rules. <laughs> Do you live in America? K- candy corn sucks. End of story. Period.
1: No, candy corn is very good. Oh.
0: No, there's an entire you're, like you're having
1: is. you're having the wrong brands of candy corn, my friend.
0: There's a. <laughs> what are the other brands of candy corn? It <laughs> there is. There are multiple corn, brands editing. of
1: candy corn. There are many brands of candy corn.
0: And they all suck. No, they're all good. What I it? just
2: think it's like a, it's a October staple. Like you just have it every now and again. That's fine.
0: No, no, it's not. I mean, and there's, there's That's other true. October staples that are quite good and should be enjoyed more than just out of October.
1: Candy corn is good, but yes. candy pumpkins are better.
0: By a mile. Candy pumpkins are Patrick Kane. Candy corn <sighs> is Anton Lindholm. <laughs> There you go. Is that is that make it does that make it I relevant think, enough can't, for the can't,
1: Candy Corn is Slater cuckoo. We can, no, do not you listen to Cuckoo like that. It's an NHLer. Candy <laughs> corn is an NHLer. Who by the way I don't think has found a place to fucking play next season. Which is wild. He's very good.
0: I don't know about very good. I wouldn't call him the candy corn of uh I wouldn't compare him to candy corn. I think that's a little unfair. Oh, you know what? Hey, it's the Blackhawks. They'll—he's a former Blackhawk, so now it is more likely that he would sign with the Blackhawks again, right?
1: One with—they they don't need a seventh defenseman,
0: though. <laughs> yeah, they got fifteen of them. Yes, and I think they just traded for another one.
1: They have Connor Murphy, and then all like all of the seventh defensemen.
0: <sighs> I actually had a, a dream last night that the Blackhawks traded. Adam Boquist to the Florida Panthers, and I can't remember who they got in return, but that tells you where my mind is at, is that I am, in my sleep, I am dreaming of the Blackhawks trading away their best prospects. That's where my mindset is at the moment. I just remembered I had that dream. And I'm really Really? upset. I'm really upset I can't remember the return, because I think it was like an actual NHL player. It wasn't some name that my brain just made up. Well, anyway, speaking of the Blackhawks, Uh, It's been a busy week. We last talked to you, I think it was last Thursday, and I have the Second City Hockey page open here, and I'm just going to scroll up so we can detail everything that has happened since we last talked to you, which this is the time of the year with, well, it's the part of the NHL calendar with free agency opening up that a lot of stuff usually happens. Tends to be July 1st, not uh, second week of October, but, you know, 2020 and all that. So, first off, the Blackhawks announced they will not, re-signed Corey Crawford, meaning he's an unrestricted free agent. He has since signed with the New Jersey Devils. Uh, I'm devastated. Many other Blackhawks fans were devastated. Corey Crawford himself said he was devastated, so that happened. And then later on Friday, qualifying offers went out to Malcolm Subban and Dominic Kubalik. They did not go out to Drake Kajula, most notably. And Dylan Strom has a qualifying offer, but he hasn't signed yet, and I believe he's his – His contract status is still up in the air because he hasn't signed anything yet, but he's still under Blackhawks' control. So then I think it was late Friday, maybe Saturday, the Blackhawks signed Matias Janmark to a one-year $2.25 million contract. They also signed Lucas Walmark to a one-year deal worth $950,000. He was with the Florida Panthers last season. The biggest news of the weekend, of course, was Brandon Saad being traded to the Colorado Avalanche along with Dennis Gilbert for Nikita Zadorov a defenseman and the aforementioned Anton Lindholm. It seems like Gilbert and Lindholm are pretty much AHL swaps at this point. Zadorov Frasad is the big headline attraction there. And then uh, on kind of further down the road about something we have to mention, because he used to play at Notre Dame, they also the Blackhawks also signed Cale Morris to an AHL contract. He's likely competing for the number three goaltender spot in Rockford for the upcoming season. And this is the point where we kind of try and process everything that's going on with the Blackhawks because uh, I I don't know what's going on. We were talking about this a little bit before we came on the air. Uh, I am just as confused as many of the people in Blackhawks fandom right now. And I think a lot of my confusion stems from what Blackhawks general manager Stan Bowman said on Thursday after the decision was made to not bring back Corey Crawford. He said, and I'm going to quote this directly so I don't mess this up. He said, "Now that we've made the decision, uh, the way that we're going to move forward with youth, there's going to be a lot more things we're going to talk about over the coming days as far as planning next year's team. The NHL's relying on more and more young players. We're going to embrace that moving forward. So if you say that, that sounds like the Blackhawks might be doing this rebuild thing that some segments of the fan base and Shepard Price has been screaming about them doing for." two to three years now. But then as we mentioned earlier, they went out and signed some guys that were kind of not really rebuilding pieces. I mean, you signed Lucas Walmark, who is 25. Jan Mark, I believe is also 25 or excuse me. He's 27. You traded sad for Sadorov's. Zadorovs is also 25. Sad was a little bit older, but I, I guess the whole thing in, Shepard brand and, and Shepherd, Brandon, this, is where I'm going to bring you guys in, what the hell are they doing?
1: Uh, if they're rebuilding, they're doing it really poorly because uh, they're not going to play Ian Mitchell 60 games. If they're, if they're, like, the season is expected to be around 60 games. They're not going to play Ian Mitchell all the games. And if you're rebuilding, you probably put your best, one of your best prospects in all the games now that he's NHL eligible. You, you would think so, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, they have a lot of, like, fifth
0: defensemen now, with <laughs> Zidorov being the latest one. Uh, they traded Brandon Saad for no futures. Um, yeah, they're, they're not – the players that they're acquiring are not, quote, young players. No. All like, mid to upper 20s. Both What's of that? the guys
1: they got from Colorado were 25. They traded the youngest the youngest player in that trade and also the best player in that trade.
0: Yeah, and it's one thing – I mean, I don't think Saad was going to fetch, like, Bowen Byron, but there had to be somebody else down in the Colorado farm system that might have a decent NHL future – that seem like it could have been attainable if you're the Blackhawks. If nothing else, a second-round pick. And, and I guess and this kind of springsboard into my, my other big issue with this, and, and you touched on it a little bit, Shepard, about like, where does Ian Mitchell fit in the, in the lineup for next season right now. If you're going to go into this rebuild, or whatever it was that Bowman was hinting at when, and, uh, last Thursday, by signing uh, Wallmark and Yanmark, those are two bottom six fours. They might be fine players. I, I, it's, it's not necessarily objecting to the players. It's that you are now clogging up your bottom six forwards for instead of maybe giving those, uh, giving those positions to guys who've been in Rockford and are trying to make the leap to the NHL level. I mean, this might be affecting like the Philip Kurashevs, Mackenzie Entwistles, a yep. guy, uh, maybe even Evan Barrett if he decides the – if he looks like he's NHL ready all of a sudden, now you don't have room for any of these players that you're supposed to be counting on for your future. And then going to the blue line, adding Nikita Zadorov, like who again, might be a fine top four, maybe like a second pairing defenseman could be a reliable, sustainable guy, but his presence in the lineup could mean you don't have a spot for maybe Nick uh, Bodan doesn't have a spot. Maybe Lucas Carlson doesn't have a spot. Maybe Ian Mitchell doesn't have a spot. And then you're not, Playing the young players that you just said you were going to play. Brandon, what do you think about all this?
2: So, in Bowman's speech, whatever you want to call it, he never said rebuild. So, it's not a rebuild. Yeah. He said embrace young players coming through. So, I see that as he's coining it as a youth movement. So, did they bring in younger players? Yes. So, he's following through with that. But there's the back half of that where it doesn't make sense because Zach Smith is presumably still injured. So they weren't able to buy him out because a player has to be healthy for them to be able to do that. And then there's the unknown status of Andrew Shaw, who can post as many workout videos on Instagram as he wants, but until he steps on the ice, no one's going to believe that he's going to play again. And you have those two looming players and the signings of Yanmark and Walmart which is going to be weird to be saying in the like throughout this whole next season. Um, bringing those two guys in signals that Smith and Shaw are not going to be on this team next year. I mean and, they, they were
0: barely on the team last year though. Like right. I know they were on the roster but they hardly played because of injuries.
2: Yeah, I mean Zach Smith did have that dad goal game in Montreal. He did. Where he scored two he goals and everyone's just like Zach Smith scores goals
0: you know what it says he played 50 games that season and I would have taken the under by a mile. Oh, I yeah. played 26. I thought it would have been closer to that.
2: Yeah. That would make more sense. I think it's like November 29th or 30th was of 2019 was Shaw's last game.
0: Yeah. Uh, and that could have also been five years ago at this point. Oh, for sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I think it's more of those two signs were to replace those two players because you take Sod out, you put Pia Suter in, and they're going to have probably Nylander in the top nine as well. Van oh. Mark is there.
0: Yeah, I made the same noise that Shepard did.
2: <laughs> and then Walmart maybe could be the third center if Strom's not there. And it seems like they're set with that fourth line of Highmore, Camp, and Carpenter, and Highmore isn't waiver-exempt anymore, I believe. So...
0: And, and really quick, a quick aside, has there been any movement on Dylan Strome? I feel like it's been unusually quiet around him.
1: Yeah, I was fully totally expecting them to sign him around. Like, I, I thought for sure completely. he'd
0: be under, especially after they made all these deals, the, the sod trade knocks $5 million off the books for next season. I feel like that makes the Dylan Strom signing easy.
2: Yeah, there's been nothing.
0: Okay. That's, I just want to make sure I hadn't missed anything. But here, here's my, my question, Brandon. Like you said, the Blackhawks gotten younger a little bit. Okay, like they they obviously got significantly younger at the goaltender position because Crawford is thirty five, and Subban, Dealey, and Lankinen, who are one of them is going to be the starter next year, those guys are all mid late twenties. I think Subban's like twenty six, twenty seven ish, something like that.
1: Yeah, he and they're Dealey all, are both twenty six.
0: Either, either way, they got about ten years younger in net. But yep. I don't understand this. This has like forever been one of the things that the the Blackhawks. I feel like they've been doing this for a decade. This isn't a new thing, but. They have openings in the bottom six at the NHL level or like on the third pairing. And instead of maybe like reserving that spot for a young guy, they sign a, you know, a three or four year NHL veteran and let him take the spot. I don't understand, especially now, if you're going to commit to all these young guys, why not just call up Entwistle and let him play? Maybe give Philip Kuroshev a look, maybe give, I mean, Dylan Sakura could have had this look. He's not, with the team anymore but god help me if they put brandon peary in any of these spots i'm gonna throw myself off of a bridge into the chicago river but i i don't understand why they're not letting their own prospects do this i I feel like they're they're doing the same shit they've been doing for three years they're clogging the pop line the clogging the pipeline with veterans who are okay but certainly don't have a high ceiling instead of allowing your own prospects that you drafted and allegedly have been developing and call them up to the nhl level and see if they can swim at the nhl level
1: i think it's because stan bowman knows this team has to be as good as possible or else he will get fired because the next management will probably realize oh there's better rebuilders out there like ron hextall
0: well all right that that kind of i I, we're going to come back to that because there's no way, unless Delia Lankanen or Suban morph into something that they haven't been in so far in their careers, this team is going to be fucking awful next season. I, I don't have a better way to describe it because we, like, we all talked about how, much, how many shots, chances, attempts they gave up. They got scold in possession every night. Um, all the possession numbers were way in favor of their opponents. And the only reason that they were 23rd in the league, remember this, like they got into the playoff format. They were 23rd out of the 24 teams. The only reason they made it is because Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford played out of their minds last season. Now you're going to take what's probably a very similar defense. I don't see any argument that it's gotten better. You're going to take that exact give up 86 shots a night defense, and you're going to throw three, one of three goalies, who are unproven at the NHL level behind it. How is that going to be anything other than a lottery team?
2: I mean, those guys are used to seeing those levels of shots in Rockford.
0: But okay, but does that mean they're going to stop him at the NHL level?
2: I mean, there's only one way to find out.
1: <laughs> right. That's There's also there's also the argument that when he's played consistently, M- Malcolm suban's not as bad as when he's cold.
0: I I I hear that and I won't discredit it but it's it's a it's a big ask to is you have you're essentially asking Delia Lankanen or Subban to recreate what Leonard and Crawford did last season
1: which is or, I don't think it's possible I think yeah. I think 915 I think 9 915 from Subban as a starter is possible with like 920
0: 925 now and again it's not like they were a good team last season so, so this, again, and this is where the whole, like, if the Blackhawks were, I know Brandon said that Bowman never used the word rebuild. But if you're going to commit to young players, I think that that's like trending in that direction. It gets into a very semantics argument. And I've always maintained, no, if Taves, Kane, and Keith are still here, it's not a rebuild. But if you say you're going to play younger players, it seems like it only applies to the goaltending position right now.
1: Yes, I, I mean, it does. It only applies to the goaltending position
0: this is where we had, I, we were talking about this beforehand. So I want to add this caveat. It's only like a week into the off season. There could be more moves coming that make these moves make sense. Um, So there is potential for maybe there's a bigger picture we're not seeing yet. However, I have significant doubt in believing that that thing exists. It, It seems like they're, they're doing the exact same thing they've been doing the last two or three years. They're trying to, tread water right in the middle instead of going full rebuild or going for going for it all and trying to win another cup. And now it seems like they're just going to be really bad while trying to do that as well.
1: Yeah. They're going to be the Buffalo Sabres.
2: These are also two one-year contracts. So
0: that, that is fair.
2: If it works, then it works and you can bring them back. If not, then you would assume that, a full season because Kirsch had missed 20 plus games of the concussion last season that he could step into a top nine role. Um, and maybe Evan Barrett is there as well. Um, and Brandon Hagel too, but he's more of a fourth line guy.
0: Brandon Hagel is the exact kind of guy that I feel like should be getting a look next season over Lucas Wallmark or Matthias Janmark. Like if, if you're going to
2: be over Jan Mark. Yeah. It, I actually it, like the Ed Mark signing.
0: I, I, I don't, it's yeah. I, I don't mind the signings and I've, it's a one-year contract, like Brandon said. So it's not like they're going to be on the books forever. So it's, it's less offensive that way, but it's still, I feel like the principle of you're just getting more guys in the way of your own prospects. Yeah. So I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't understand why they always come back to this.
2: I mean, they're not filling this – they don't have to fill the stadium. Like, so, if you're going to be shit, you might as well be shit now.
0: Well, I, and, and, that's fine, like, and that's fine, but I – then say that. Like, say – you know maybe don't like, – I, I don't think any uh, GM is going to honestly say, we're not going to have fans anyway, so we're going to play like shit and tank and try and get into the lottery next year. But you can say, like, we're having a more long-term focus. We're trying to rebuild whatever phrase you want to use for it. But they're, they're not saying that again. For like the third, fourth off season in a row, so they
2: used retooling already. So what else would you use? They
0: they need a better. They someone needs to sit down in the Blackhawks front office with a really good thesaurus and just pick a really good word to describe what it is they're doing right now. Reassessing. (laughs) Reassessing's not bad. I'm I'm reassessing how much Blackhawks hockey I want to watch next year.
1: I'm reassessing how much Blackhawk soccer I have to watch because I'm counterbalancing it with Vegas.
0: And, and then I guess the other like elephant in the room with this whole situation, and I feel like this will be a discussion we get into later, is I still don't even know if I want the head coach that they have in place to be the guy. In no. I,
1: I'm yeah. hoping if they're bad this season, they just like, realize, okay, time to move on.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't I, see like,
2: that happening. Say that again, Brandon? I don't see that happening.
1: Right, unless they just bring in a new GM, because the new GM will be like, oh, yeah, it'll, it's really easy to bring in my own guy right now.
0: Well, it's it's like – it's kind of uh, – it's just – it's it's that weird in-between spaces. You don't know if they're trying to win or not. So if they suck next season, maybe they don't fire Colleton because maybe they don't care if they lose 60% of the games next year. But there there also should be some sort of development of some of the younger prospects, your Adam Boquist, your Ian Mitchell's so- – Of players of that nature, because again, this goes back to this uh, something we've been talking about for two years now. It feels like like you have Taves and Kane under contract through twenty twenty three. So, unless they're trading them soon, the assumption that I am making is that they want to try and get one more cup run out of their careers. So they're taking looks like they're taking a small step back now, trying to develop some younger players. But I feel like they were closer to potentially winning a, or contending for a comp by 2023 a week ago. And all the moves that they've made in the last week, in the last week have taken them so far away that I don't even know if it's attainable anymore.
2: They're hardly spending any money in goal. So like maybe they go for a trade or a free agent signing next year. That would be, an optimistic view of things.
1: There you go. Right, but who's available next year?
2: Took or ask
0: Well, there. Yeah. They, there could be. It. It is an Frederick unprecedented. Anderson.
2: I mean, those are hour. That's about it.
0: Yeah, it, it is an unprecedented financial time. So a lot of NHL teams are probably going to be losing. Okay. They've already lost plenty of money, I'm sure, because they didn't have fans for the playoffs, and they lost, you know, the last dozen games of the regular season. And having fans next season seems questionable at best. So they're going to continue losing money. So it'd be like, it'd be understandable if some team said, Hey, we don't have the money to pay. You know, we don't have the money for eighty-one and a half million dollars of salary. We can't get up to the cap ceiling this year. So we got, you know, maybe they got to stay in the low to mid seventies, whatever. But again, I feel like that's something you can say. I feel like you can say that out loud. I think people understand it's a really shitty time financially for, any type of business anywhere even a massively successful nhl organization like the blackhawks are but it just it it's it feels like another situation where they say things publicly and they do things privately and you don't know what exactly is true well i guess that we can stay in that vein do you guys like say the hypothetical is trying to contend by 2023 do you see this team being able to do that now after the last week of movement? Shepard, go first.
1: It depends on how good the prospects are that they get uh, in the next two drafts. But also Nick Bodan needs to be really good. Ian Mitchell needs to be really good in, in their NHL transitions. Um, well, and, and,
0: You said the next two drafts. The guys they get in the next two drafts aren't going to be here by 2023. Lucas is right. Rykel uh, might not be here by 2023.
1: I mean, if they if they get a lottery pick this year, oh, that right, that person's different. probably like Aturati's probably here. Um, <laughs> you already
0: already dropping the prospects for next year's. I I've seen that name somewhere.
1: Yeah, uh, him and Owen Power are like the two guys contending for number one next year. There's like it's there's not a Lafreniere or a Byfield, but those are the two guys. Um, yeah, it's I don't see them contending. It, 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 uh in Duncan Keith's the rest of Duncan Keith's career if he plays out his career in Chicago
0: yeah well I and and he's you know pushing 40 at this point like yeah. I even more like Taves and Kane like I don't see I don't see how they're competitive in the next three seasons right now well yeah. like, like the thing you said like if, if all the prospects freak off and you know if out of that Mitchell Boquist and all those guys you know if you get two or three top four guys out of that group yeah, they're, they're probably be in pretty good shape.
1: Yeah, um, if Michael Tepley takes two more steps forward and turns out to be a, le- a first-line left wing.
0: Yeah, or, and, and then you need a goalie too. But yeah. I guess that's something that you could potentially get in free agency. Brandon, what about you? Do you how do you feel about – has this changed your outlook on the short-term health of the Blackhawks?
2: I don't see a path to the Western Conference Final for them. I could see them making the playoffs and like winning in a series balancing and getting to the Western Conference Final.
0: I mean, you, we can shorten the answer. Like, do you see them beating the Colorado Avalanche in a seven-game playoff series? Because that's how is, – is that why you said Western Conference Final? Cause it or seems, the Jets. Say that again. Or the Jets. No, Okay. But either – like, you have to Do you have faith in the your... Jets getting good? I have no faith in the Jets getting good.
2: I think Halibut can hold his water.
0: Either way, it's hard to see the Blackhawks beating their own divisional opponents. Yes. Colorado is the one for me. Like, I don't see how they stop the McKinnon-Kale McCarr machine that is being assembled in Denver. <clears throat>
2: that guy I also played. don't think the Abs win the Cup next year. but
0: You do? or I, don't. Don't. Why not?
2: I feel like a team in the East wins, um, and everyone, like, loses their mind.
0: I because just want to have a hockey season next year, at that's right.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah,
0: I agree we'll, we'll, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I mean, and and the Avs just added a pretty damn good uh, top six four. They, he should. I might be on their third line. I read somewhere him and uh, Kadri might be the the pairing out there. Those two and oh. then the third guy with them.
1: It doesn't. I don't think it really matters. So the third guy is with those two.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a damn good start to any line. Put me on that line, and we'll 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 have a it will be successful.
2: Two good beards.
0: Oh, is that me? Is it me inside you're talking about? Or Are you talking about Kadri inside? Kadri inside. Oh, Okay.
2: Yeah, the ladder.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I've been I've been working on it in quarantine. Um, <laughs> well, we're you talking about hockey. Yeah, I don't know. I I've been going through my head, just trying to sort out all these thoughts, and it just I just keep coming to this giant question, and I don't want to go full Taylor Twellman in this situation, but I don't. Wh- what are they doing? I, I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't. I don't know. I don't understand what the short-term plan is. I don't understand what the long-term plan is.
1: I, I really don't feel like Stan Bowman has a plan. And again, that's a problem that needs to be addressed. I don't think Stan Bowman is the GM for this franchise long-term. Yeah, I I, I. I think all the problems keep coming back to that point that he shouldn't be here anymore.
2: I think they got rid of the problem in April. McDonough. Yep.
1: They need to replace him. They need like an oh. actual president that isn't. The son of Wurtz.
0: <laughs> you must be new around here. I, I like. I, I had money on the Blackhawks betting, ta- uh, drafting Brison because his dad is Taves and Kane's agent. Nepotism <laughs> is alive and well in the Blackhawks organization.
2: They have enough players that are scouted as his exact ilk, so.
0: I'm just I'm still very confused by this team. And and it feels like every offseason it ends up being a thousand times more confused than I was beforehand.
1: It's like and there's like good pieces here too. It's just like getting everything else figured out. Like Alex Brink exists and I think he if he does bounce back, then he's still a good player. Kirby Doc is a first line center, I think, in the next three years. Like all these guys that are really good exist on the team. It's just like the rest of it is no good.
0: And they still have Patrick Kane. And I've always maintained that as long as they have Patrick Kane on the roster, they have a head start over everybody else in the NHL because, or I'd say all but maybe five or six teams in the NHL because very few teams have a guy with the offensive ability of Patrick Kane. And you only have that, that weapons or or that, that has a clock on it. It's, it's like eventually father Time's going to catch up to him. I, I hope it's still for three or four or five years, but, Regression's gonna show up at some point, and if they don't, you know, they already won three cups. So I'm trying not to get like two. It's just it feels like there's more bites at the apple available to this group, and they are fucking up those opportunities. But we got some other things related to the Blackhawks to talk about, and we're gonna do that after this break. So uh, come back on the other side of this timeout and find out what those things are. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And as promised before the break, had one more Blackhawks-related item that we wanted to dive into a little bit here. And it, it's it's related to everything we were talking about in the first half of the show with all these potential rebuild or not rebuild or retool or reassess or whatever the hell it is the Blackhawks are doing. One interesting thing that popped up over the weekend that I feel like I haven't seen before was uh, Mark Lazarus of the Athletic reached out to Jonathan Taves who offered some thoughts about some of the moves that the Blackhawks made. And the fact that he even agreed to the interview, I thought was interesting because t- hockey players in general, like once the off- once the season ends, they do the free agency stuff. And then you don't hear from anybody until they show up for training camp, typically in September this year, who knows. But the fact that Taves only not only answered the call, but then answered questions and said what he said was very interesting. Like I'll read some of the quotes here from, directly from Taves that were uh, mentioned in this article. I, I've never been told that we're going through a rebuild. This has never been commu- communicated to me for that matter. A lot of this comes as a shock because it's a completely different direction than we expected. And then uh, further down the article, Taves says, it's sad. It's really disappointing. Crow was given so much of this team. I feel he's ready to bring more in the next few years and still be a big part of this group. He had that mindset that he could help this team go deep in the playoffs again and there's no doubt that he could. And a quick aside, I don't like I know Crawford wanted to play a lot but he's going to New Jersey and who oh boy, like I they did they even make the 24 team playoff format? No. No. They're they're not good either. So I guess Crawford will be well-versed in playing behind poor teams. But anyway, back to the Jonathan Taves thing. I found this article and this whole interview very intriguing because, like I said, Taves usually doesn't give much to the media, and he's usually rather tight-lipped about things of this nature. Like, he's been pretty good at not throwing anyone under the bus. seems like he's there's things he's not thrilled about. So, Brandon, I know someone who's been in the locker room and actually done some of these interviews too – Uh, What was your reaction when you saw Taves actually say some of the things that he said in this article?
2: I think it was probably the most forthright that Taves has been in an interview about the direction of the franchise. And it didn't come as like, this is my former teammate now and friend that's being put away. It's like, no, this is a guy who could legitimately – help us make a deep playoff run with Crawford and you can't dispute that because he's done it before. He's been playing at a high level of late and now we have three unproven guys.
0: Game four against Vegas. Exhibit A, your owner. Like That's all you have to do. He, he He just did it a month or two ago.
2: Yeah, and I don't think that the direction needs to be directly communicated with the players as to like, hey, we're making this transaction, we're doing this. But a general overview of getting your top veterans in line with the thinking the organization is taking moving forward, especially since they're locked in with no movement clauses, I feel like would have been a smart way to communicate things And on top of that, when you bring in a head coach from the AHL level and the number one selling point on him is communication, it doesn't look great. Granted, he's not the one making these moves, but if you're to put him in place and say he's the head coach, he's great at communicating, and then the front office from Taves' account, it seems, doesn't communicate that with the players, it's putting Colleton in a really bad spot because he's like the the middleman in this and that's how it should be, but not in like a breaking communication like it appears to be.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is you probably do need to run all the moves by tapes because he's the captain and also the player's representative. Um, He's like the, I think one of the very few who's captain and player's representative. And he's also uh, uh, being paid $10.5 million because he won three Stanley cups with this team and is, Going down as one of the best Blackhawks of all time, and is one of the most beloved sports figures in the last decade in Chicago. Um, one of probably one of maybe the most beloved uh, sports figure in Chicago since Jordan.
0: Um, you probably do need to run moves by him, if not I, others. I would think so. Like it, I, like like Brandon said, like you don't have to tell him like every single thing that you're doing, but if if you're gonna make a move towards like a, if you're essentially throwing away next season, trying to get into the lottery and then maybe try and put something together in the following year, maybe you tell them like, Hey, you know, just a heads up. We're probably going to suck next year because we're trying to build some pieces up to get another shot of the cup. And it feels like if anybody has earned that, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is, or earn the right to be told of these things, it should be Jonathan Taves and related Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith. Although Keith can yeah. be like up on a boat in Manitoba somewhere and nobody can reach him anyway. So yeah. there is that, but. British especially player.
1: when it's the, especially when it's the goaltender that like has been so critical to this team's success for the last five ten 10 years. And also his line mate.
0: Yeah. That yeah. are like
1: the two biggest moves, two biggest pieces moved off of.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. It's, I feel like Jonathan Taves should be told if his line mate might be getting traded away, especially like the guy that's they won two cups together with Taves and Saad playing together. So
1: and and who he apparently or maybe specifically asked for, and that's what got Artemi Panarin traded.
0: Right. Yeah. So I. It's just it's it seems like poor people management to not let your veteran players know because. If, if you're making all these moves, you're going to be relying on your veteran players even harder to be better because all these young guys are going to be learning things at the NHL level. So they're going to have to be carried by the Taves and Canes of the roster. And maybe that's a thing that they don't want. Like that that's that gets to another point to where, like I, I said earlier, like I've always maintained it's not a rebuild if Taves, Kane, and Keith are still here. Yeah. And, and like – you know, we haven't heard from Patrick Kane. That's par for the course. I'd love to know what he's saying. There's a few articles or a few people I've seen reference sources close to the, the core, which, after reading John Dietz's article in the Daily Herald, makes me think it's Christopher Stieg. But anyway, uh, that there is some discontent among those players. And Patrick Kane seems to be the one, the, the most uh, wanting to win no matter what. Like, like Taves, it feels like he's kind of, you know, he's, he understands the face of the franchise. He's a captain. I feel like Kane is the one that's like, if we're not going to win here, get me the fuck out of here. And I'm going to go play somewhere else where we're going to go for a cup because he probably, like we were saying earlier, like he may not be able to play like this way forever. And he probably knows he's got maybe four or five years before some of the skills start regressing off him. So maybe he wants to get another playoff run out of whatever abilities he has left. Again, I, I, I think I've said the word confused 86 times, but that's just the word that keeps coming back to me.
1: They're adrift. They're directionless.
0: <laughs> a, a rudderless ship in the ocean?
1: Up a river without a paddle.
0: Ugh. I, I'd want to believe that there's some other move coming down the road. I mean, maybe a trade of Duncan Keith or a trade of Kane. I don't know. Something that would signify, yeah, they're, they're really going into this rebuild. But it just... It, <laughs> Looking at that roster right now, I was scrolling down at the cap friendly page, at what this team could look like for next season, and it ain't pretty. I mean, they're just the the top six is bereft of talent. not, well, I shouldn't say bereft of talent completely because you still got Taves Kane, a potentially revitalized DeBrinket, and Dominic Kubalik, but and Doc and and Doc. Well, yeah, I guess so yeah, I guess the hope is doc is a top five guy next season, but you, like, I remember last season when, when there were several times when we looked at the Blackhawks forwards and thought, yeah, that that's like a playoff talent level there. That's a, a enough talent to get you into a playoffs looking at the Blackhawks forwards. And that was before we knew Dominic Kubelik was going to score 30 goals. And now I look at it and it's like still good, but I feel like they're going to need a good blue line to help them out. And then you look at the Hawks blue line and you're like, shh, yeah. Also good,
1: good blue line looks at Black Oaks, <laughs> looks at Black Oaks defense.
0: Yeah, and I mean I there there is the the, the nice going to what Brandon mentioned earlier with one year deals. Zadorov is on a one year contract that I believe he signed either just before or just after the trade. One year deal, 3.2 million. So if it doesn't work out, he's off the books next year. But then you traded away Brandon Saad for ultimately nothing and that's really aggravating.
1: I mean, for a year Brandon Saad, and who knows? They could easily I mean, just if bring him back on, on it. They hung
0: on to Brandon Saad and traded him at the deadline to a team that really needed. It feels like they got a first-round pick for Ryan Hartman a few years ago. So. Well,
2: that's because Nashville's stupid. They also so, got a fourth-round
0: pick. I'm sure Nashville's got another first-round pick to trade away again.
2: <laughs> Nashville thought
1: it was doing a Barclay-Goudreau trade, yeah. which it was not.
0: In which, that, that Ryan Hartman trade for the first-round pick became Nicholas Bodan, so maybe... So we'll see if that trade ultimately did work out for the Blackhawks, but...
2: The fourth was Kershaw.
0: And the fourth was... There you go. That could have been a very good trade for the Blackhawks. But we'll see. I, I mean, got it already
2: it. is. Ryan Hartman's going to have a jersey for every single team in the Central. because he to play for all of them.
0: <laughs> We'll see. I I think we'll have to watch the next couple of weeks in the offseason. I, I remember the day that they traded Saab the first time, Or excuse me, they they traded Panarin to get side back, and they traded Yarmersen within like 45 minutes of each other, and I think it was like in the middle of July or something. It was a day that's supposed to be quiet on the NHL calendar, if I remember correctly, and all of a sudden everything happened. So maybe maybe that's what the Blackhawks are trending towards right now. They they got some deals cooking that you know maybe around Halloween we'll we'll figure out we'll get a better look at the picture that they're building for the future, but. Right now, I just – I got questions, and, and I got no answers, and that's uh it's not a fun spot to be in. But uh, I think we're going to start wrapping up this here episode of Musings on Madison. So, Brandon Shepard, do either one of you have any final thoughts to offer on this whole situation?
1: Jared Gallant is still – doesn't have a job. Just FYI. Just a general <laughs> thought. Jared Gallant, still out there.
0: I, I think – I feel like any coaching moves that would have been made are done. So, I feel like he's still going to be – available until next season so you can keep uh the Gerard Gallant in your shrine of your uh, your house is going to need a few more candles to make it through the rest of the off season, and then maybe he'll uh, find his way to Chicago later
1: at the minimum fire Thomas Patel because we needed
0: power play <laughs> that that is the most evergreen statement about the Blackhawks you can come up with <laughs> Brandon Kane what about you
2: that sod return was the day of the draft. Okay. I, I,
0: I, I stand, I sit corrected. <laughs> so I guess that is a bigger day then. But it was it was like in the morning because yeah. I, I, I was busy with work and my, my phone was exploding in my pocket because something was going on. Like not now I'm busy. Then I looked like, oh shit. But uh, any, other, any other things to add, Brandon, other than correcting me when I mess up <laughs> once again?
2: Uh, it's just going to be a long off season. so be patient and don't lose your mind on Twitter if they trade an AHL guy.
0: So when they uh, make that move to trade Anton Vadim to someone else, I shouldn't get too upset about it?
2: Probably not because he's in Sweden doing his own thing. <laughs>
0: okay. I will, I will contain myself if the Blackhawks trade John Quinville for someone. Yeah.
2: Well, everyone will be like, remember when he played in game two or whatever, three or whatever? On, on
0: the top fucking line? See, see, I'm doing it already. <laughs> need, to, need, need to detox this offseason. Well, I, I think that'll do it for this episode of uh, Musings on Madison. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We very much appreciate it. Uh, stay tuned to SecondCityHockey.com. If any more Blackhawks news breaks in the next week, we will write about it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at 2NDCityHockey. I'm at underscore Dave Melton. Shepherds at underscore Shepherd Price. Brandon is at Brandon M. Kane. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast. We'd also seriously appreciate any five-star reviews that you could leave for us. We'd very, very much appreciate those. Um, So thanks again for listening. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Hope this all uh, seriously, wear a mask. It's shit's getting really bad out there. So do all those things. And as always, go
2: on.